Hey folks, welcome to our coverage of the Kim Potter manslaughter trial over the April 11th, 2021 shooting death of Dante Wright in a suburb of Minneapolis. When then-police officer Potter accidentally used her Glock 17 pistol in place of her intended taser. Today was the fourth day of the trial proper, and although today the state worked through seven more of its witnesses in its case-in-chief, it nevertheless appeared to once again do little but provide evidence on factual matters not in dispute and to which I'm confident the defense would have been happy to stipulate. The state did not, however, appear to substantively advance a theory of manslaughter based on today's testimony. Indeed, most of the day appeared to be an excuse to show the jury numerous and various bloody photos of Dante Wright, his vehicle, his clothing, and so forth. Before I jump into today's witnesses, I do want to briefly mention an exceptional opportunity for your consideration. Perhaps once every 12 or 18 months, we do one of our full-day Law of Self-Defense Advanced Self-Defense Law classes. This is a full-day class. It's the equivalent of a law school seminar on self-defense law. It's applicable to all 50 states and taught in my usual plain English style without any confusing legalese. This class is taught live by me, streamed to you at your computer using Zoom, and there's plenty of opportunity for live Q&A with me during the class. On the rare occasions when we do one of our Law of Self-Defense Advanced Self-Defense Law classes, they invariably fill up almost immediately after we announce the date, and we've announced the date for this one. It's taking place on Saturday, January 8th, 2022. If you've ever wanted a true mastery of the Law of Self-Defense, here's the best, really among the only, opportunities to grab that expertise with both hands. Again, seats are already going fast, so if you're at all interested, I urge you to grab your your slot today at lawofselfdefense.com slash advanced. The state's first witness today was medical examiner Dr. Lauren Jackson with the direct examination by Assistant DA Aaron Eldridge. Cross-examination would be by attorney Earl Gray. Dr. Jackson testified that Dante Wright's cause of death was a nine millimeter round to the heart and the manner of death was homicide, that he was shot by Kim Potter. I know, utterly shocking. These undisputed facts took nearly an hour of direct and redirect testimony. In contrast, the defense spent merely about five minutes on cross-examination and recross. There was some discussion on direct and cross about how long someone shot through the heart as Wright had been would remain conscious, with the state arguing for zero or only a few seconds, and the defense arguing for perhaps as long as a minute. This would presumptively be arguing on the question of whether shooting or tasing someone in control of a vehicle is per se reckless because the impaired driver operating the vehicle presents as a foreseeable deadly force threat to others. Next up was Special Agent Melissa Lauren, BCA forensic investigator. Lauren was one of the half dozen BCA investigators called today as witnesses for the prosecution. Lauren's job was as an on-scene investigator doing a walkthrough of the crash and traffic stop scenes, collecting bits of evidence, finding Potter's fired cartridge case inside Wright's vehicle, having Wright's vehicle towed to the BCA vehicle inspection garage where BCA conducted a comprehensive examination of the vehicle. This testimony took about 45 minutes of direct examination and only about three and a half minutes of cross-examination. And that brief cross-examination was itself interrupted by a five-minute sidebar during which Judge Chu refused to allow the defense to ask about a digital scale discovered in the center console of Wright's Buick. 
The evidence she found was consistent with Potter having shot Dante Wright once in the chest at the site of the traffic stop, then Wright's car traveling about a block until it crossed into oncoming traffic and smashed into the Lundgren's vehicle where it stopped. From there, Wright's body would be removed from the vehicle by first responders and after some unsuccessful aid, be declared deceased. Again, shocking testimony. Next up was Special Agent Brent Peterson, who works for the BCA's Force Investigative Unit. This is the special unit that focuses on use of force events involving Minnesota police officers. The direct examination was conducted by Assistant DA Joshua Larson and cross-examination by Earl Gray. The purpose for the state calling Peterson as a witness appeared to be so that they could have him explain to the jury what he personally saw on various body cameras and dash camera videos. In particular, the state had prepared a composite video, including the body camera of Potter, the body camera of Sergeant Johnson, and the dash camera from Officer Lucky's squad car. The major point of Peterson's testimony was apparently to argue that the bodies of Johnson and Lucky were already outside of the vehicle when Potter fired her fatal shot, such that her use of force was not necessary in order to prevent the two officers from being dragged in the vehicle. Of course, the officers had pulled back from the vehicle only in response to Potter's cry of taser, taser, taser. And by that point, she had definitively committed to firing what she believed to be her taser, a use of force that would have been reasonable to prevent Wright from fleeing the arrest scene at speed in the Buick and endangering bystanders in his path, even if Johnson and Lucky were no longer in danger. In any case, had Wright chosen to reverse the open car doors would have swept up all three officers. The defense made strenuous objections to this use of Peterson's testimony, basically narrating what was visible in the videos on the grounds that the videos spoke for themselves and the jury could make their own assessments of what they saw. Apparently, Assistant DA Larson had first prepared uh, or proposed to make these arguments using still photographs, which the judge had ruled against because the stills failed to capture the dynamic nature of the event. As an alternative, Larson then chose to freeze frame the actual video, which is not, of course, substantively different than using the still photos. This led to repeated objections, allowances, more objections, and that brought us right up to lunch. Separately, it was also notable that the state's presentation of this composite video appeared to have been slowed down to 50%, without informing the court that this was being done, which suggested far more time for decision-making than was actually the case. Also, Potter's body camera footage was offset a full second from the other two videos that made up the composite, something pointed out by Earl Gray on cross-examination. Separately, Larson had also used Peterson to attest to the particularly injurious nature of hollow-point bullets. After lunch, Judge Chu informed the prosecution that she would not allow them to continue on this composite video path, and immediately thereafter, the state was done with direct examination of Special Agent Peterson. On cross-examination, Gray drew out that hollow-point bullets were routinely used by law enforcement because they were safer for bystanders, and that Peterson himself carried hollow-point bullets in his own duty weapon. Gray also drew out that a body camera could only capture a small fraction of the visual information available to the wider field of vision of a police officer's eyes, as well as the officer's ability to direct their vision independent of the body camera's perspective. 
Next up was Special Agent Michelle Fresconi, also from the BCA's Force Investigative Unit. Fresconi was involved in evidence collection at the traffic and crash sites, as well as the collection of the Glock 17 pistols from Sergeant Johnson and Officer Potter. The direct examination here was by Assistant DA Joshua Larson, and all we learned from Fransconi was that Officer Potter had used her own Glock to fire a 9mm pistol into Dante Wright. So pointless was Fresconi's direct testimony that the defense did not bother to cross-examine her at all. Next up was Special Agent Sam McGinnis, again from the BCA's Force Investigative Unit. Here we finally discovered some interesting information, although little of it seemed helpful to the state. Direct was again by Assistant DA Joshua Larson, and cross-examination would be by Attorney Paul Eng. For example, we learned that Kim Potter had received her Taser 7, a brand new model, to the Brooklyn Center Police Department on March 26, 2021, only about two weeks prior to her attempt to use it on Dante Wright on April 11, 2021. Indeed, it was suggested at the time Potter was the only officer in the entire department equipped with this new model taser. Indeed, it was unclear if Potter had ever received substantive training on the new model taser at all. Assistant DA Larson also sought to make a big deal of out of the apparent fact that Kim Potter had function tested her taser only six out of the 10 times she was on duty between when she was first issued the new model taser and when she sought to use it against Dante Wright, when policy called for her to test the taser before every shift. Now, none of this meant the taser was in any way dysfunctional because of her failure to test it. When it was later tested about a month later by Special Agent McGinnis, it tested fine with 78% battery, plenty to work as intended, even without any tests in the intervening period. Assistant DA Larson also made a big point out of the fact that the Glock weighed about two pounds, whereas the taser weighed about one pound. Larson also had McGinnis point out the various other ways the two weapons differed, including in color, grip size, lights on the taser, but not on the Glock 17, and so forth. The implication of all this, of course, was that Potter should have known that she was holding a Glock 17 and not a taser. I'd note, however, that should have known is the standard for a finding of civil negligence, not criminal culpability. Criminal culpability requires recklessness, however, an intentional disregard of a known deadly force risk, and by all appearances, Potter believed she had a taser in her hands. That mistake certainly appears negligent, but not reckless, and thus not criminal. Then Larson proposed to have the jury actually hold a deactivated taser in their hands, and apparently also hold a Glock 17 frame, I guess so they could feel the difference between the two, but Judge Chu did not permit this. On cross-examination, Paul Eng emphasized that this was a new taser. He actually twice called it a gun and corrected himself, which I thought was a clever ploy, and that any failure to test every shift had no substantive consequence. That McGinnis might know how often officers were supposed to test, but did not know how often officers actually tested, and so forth. Eng also noted that when McGinnis had accompanied a consenting potter to the hospital for a blood test for drugs, nothing was found in her system. Notably, Eng also asked McGinnis if the special agent had ever bothered to ask the taser company why they designed their taser so it was shaped in essentially a pistol-like configuration instead of some distinct shape designed to avoid confusing taser and pistol, and McGinnis responded that he did not know why. 
Next up was BCA DNA technician Eric Coppin. All we learned from him was that the DNA in the blood found in the white Buick was that of Dante Wright, except for a small portion of blood in the passenger area of the car that was unmatched by DNA, but almost certainly was that of passenger girlfriend Albrecht Payton. Shocking news again, I know. Direct was conducted by ADA Joshua Larson, and so pointless was this testimony that the defense declined to cross-examine DNA technician Coppin at all. The final witness of the day was BCA firearms technician Travis Melland. He testified that a test bullet fired from the Glock 17 of Kim Potter matched the bullet recovered from the body of Dante Wright. Shocking. Curiously, although assistant DA Larson had Mellon testify that the trigger weight of Kim Potter's Glock 17 pistol was 5.5 pounds, which I can tell you is perfectly normal for an OEM Glock 17, Larson never obtained any testimony on the trigger weight of Potter's Taser 7. Again, so pointless was this testimony that the defense declined to cross-examine Melland at all. With that, Judge Chu decided to recess court a bit early for the day. She did note that she had two written motions from the state to review tonight, and the defense indicated that they would respond orally to those in the morning. Assistant DA Joshua Larson also made a request for an in-chambers meeting to discuss an issue before everyone went home for the night, but that was obviously done outside of the broadcast window for the day. And that was it for Monday. Tomorrow, Tuesday, join us again at Legal Insurrection tomorrow morning for our ongoing live coverage, including real-time commenting and streaming of the trial proceedings starting at 9 a.m. Central Time, and then again at day's end for our analysis of the day's events. Until then, remember, if you carry a gun so you're hard to kill, that's why I carry a gun, so I'm hard to kill, my family is hard to kill, then you also owe it to yourself and your family to know the law so you're hard to convict. Until next time, I remain Attorney Andrew Branker for Law of Self-Defense. Stay safe.